because it's very much dependent on your personal righteousness and your personal progression. And I was self-aware enough to know that I was not righteous. I was going to the temple every morning because I was at BYUI and I would just pray and cry and be like, God, please just help me be good enough for you to love me because I can't, I can't do that. I'm not worthy of that. Leave the thing that was supposed to be our salvation, the church. How do we ever put trust in God again? Today, we are talking to Sarah Jimenez. Sarah spent all her time doing everything she could to earn God's favor in order to make her life better, and she got nowhere. She gave up on God and religion, and when she was angriest with God, the most broken, that is when she felt his love. It is not about earning his favor. It is about trusting him to bring peace in our hearts, even at the hardest times. Trusting him that those hard times may even be the thing that brings us to him. Trusting him with our lives and our souls. This is a story of faith. Hey girl, I know you are overwhelmed at the thought of being a Christian. There are so many damaging lessons you need to unlearn and you feel like you were starting over from scratch. Heck, you were even taught not to believe the Bible, so where do you turn for truth? Hi, I'm Shelby Hosfield. I too was a girl who left the LDS church. I too felt like I had abandoned everything I had ever known about God. I spent 20 years lost after leaving, wishing someone would just give me the blueprints on faith. How was I supposed to raise my kids with God when I didn't even know how to pray? Can you relate? But as hard as this is, I know you are not ready to give up on Jesus. God opened me up to a real relationship with him through his word. The Bible is not only trustworthy friends, but it is living water to our souls. I don't want it to take you 20 years. Here, you will learn how to pray, you will find truth, and you will finally gain trust in the Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is Finding Faith Above. We are here today with Sarah, and I am so excited to get into her story and to have you guys listen to where she's come from and how God is working in her life. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. Thank you for having me. First off, stories, they just move people, and we never know what somebody needs to hear in order to help them come to Jesus and what people need in order to bring them along this faith journey that can be so complicated for so many of us. <laughs> I just wanted to open it up and let you tell us what you came from, where, what was your background? Um, My family, my parents were very religious, but it was very much like punishment. They would, you were talking about somebody else they would say like why they were going to hell or if we were in trouble we would have to read the bible but it wasn't part of our lives and I remember always being afraid that if I messed up or if I died in my sin then I would go to hell and then when I was 15 I moved in with my aunt she had been wicked and my uncle had been alcoholic and then they joined this church and so that was like bringing the marriage together but the church was kind of culty one of the leaders ended up sexually assaulting my 12 year old cousin and they were like oh it's your fault because you have a spirit of lust on you and I don't know, just like some abusive patterns there so then when I was 18 I believe in like a god or whatever but I was just like in bad relationships and like living with my boyfriend and just not following anything because I was like none of the things that claim to be Christian are you know any of the things that Christianity claims to be and then but I, I kind of got a little bit I don't know I guess a little bit wild real wayward and so then I, when I was like 21, I had a friend that was Mormon and she like always needed rides. So I would like end up taking her to church and we started talking. And I think that was just like the first like stable religious setting I ever found. So I ended up being Mormon and I went to BYUI and I like taught Sunday school and I was like temple worthy, but I always just felt like I was never good enough, you know, because like it's very much dependent on your 
personal righteousness and your personal progression. And I was like self-aware enough to know that I was not righteous. I was going to the temple every morning because I was at BYUI and I would just pray and cry and be like, God, please just help me be like good enough for you to love me. Cause I can't like, I can't do that. Like I'm not worthy of that. And then I ended up getting married to somebody that I met at BYU, Idaho. He had substance abuse issues. And so that was just like really hard because he was like, the bishop would be like, cool. Like you can go to the temple. And I'd be like, he just stole prescription painkillers from like our friends and family. Like if you like have the priesthood and you have the spirit of God directly, why don't you know that? Like, why are you so blind to these things? And so, I don't know, that just like unraveled like thing after thing with addiction and all the things that go along with addictions, like lying and stealing and all these other things. And so eventually like I ended up being like, okay, we just need space. We're fighting too much. I'm going to go to Alaska. I had a friend there and I was, I'm just going to go there for a couple months and then we'll, we'll just hard reset. We'll come back and work on the marriage, all that stuff. And then when I got there, I was just asking my bishop, I center everything in my life around this religion. I wear uncomfortable underwear. I don't drink coffee. I like, you know what I mean? Like I do all these things. I give a like large portion of my money to the church and then God can't answer one prayer. God can't even tell me what I'm supposed to do in my marriage. In Mormonism, you're commanded to get married to reach the like top godhood. So I'm like, wait a minute. If you told me to do this, why can't you help me through it? Why can't you help this work? And the bishop was like, oh, you just need to wake up every day for two weeks at 6 a.m., read the Book of Mormon for an hour and then pray for 30 minutes. And then you'll have an ear answer. If you do A, B, and C, God is like obligated to give you what you want. And so I did it and I didn't get an answer. And I was like, wait a minute. And he was just like, well, it's just your fault. You're not righteous enough or you're not doing something. And I was like, okay, this is the best I could be. So I'm just going to put religion on the shelf for a little bit because I can't do anymore. If I am I'm not good enough to reach God, I need to just leave it alone until I'm good enough to reach God basically. And so during that time, I just, I don't know, did other things. Like, I, I don't know why I really wanted to do like psychedelic drugs. Cause my, my husband was always super about them. And those are like the least harmful of whatever drugs he was into. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try a bunch of mushrooms and just do all this stuff that was not like approved by the church. And during that time when I was the least worthy or whatever, then I started having like more spiritual experiences. And then I was like, wait, like there, there is a God and he's not waiting for me to get good enough to get to him. I feel like he's reaching out to me when I'm doing absolutely nothing to get to him. Fast forward, I ended up getting divorced and I was like, it's going to be fine. I'll be back to my feet in a month. And then that did not work out the way I thought it was. I was overly optimistic. Just being after thing, I had to move from, from where I was to Seattle, back to Alaska. And then when I got to Alaska, my boss was like, I hired you because I really like you. And he'd always send me like news and I'd be like, um, no, but now I'm stuck here. So that was just like a bad situation. And I started like having panic attacks, which I never had in my life before. And then somebody I knew in Utah was like, Hey, will you come and work like wilderness therapy for two weeks, just two weeks. I'll pay for your ticket, which is a $600 ticket or whatever. And like, just come out here and stay. And I cleared it with my boss, but apparently so another thing. A lot of people in that like small village in Alaska have a lot of cocaine issues just because six months of light that like, you have to get all your work done and then six months of dark where you're depressed. So my boss had like some cocaine issues. So anyway, whenever I cleared it with him, he was like really high. And then when he was not high, he was not okay with me going. I guess he just forgot about it. And so the day I was leaving, he was like, what do you mean? You're not going to work? I was like, no, like this is on the calendar. It's written out. I'm going to be gone for two weeks and then I'll be back. And he was like, okay, no, just don't come back. So I got fired. Like the day I was leaving, I was like, oh, I'm not prepared for this. And he owned the house I was living in too. So I was like, crap, this is a very bad situation. But anyway, I got to Utah and started working the wilderness therapy job. 
and I met a Christian and he, I don't know exactly how it came up, but I was like, oh yeah, like I'm Christian Mormon. And he was like, no, that's um, actually not the same thing. And I was like, what do you mean? And then he just explained the difference, like different God, different Jesus, different gospel. And I was like, wait, so do you think that I'm going to hell? He was uncomfortable, but he was like, from what I understand, yes. And I was like, wait a minute, why? And then I was really mad and started asking more and more questions. And then I actually started reading the Bible because I was like, you're an idiot. Mormonism is supported by the Bible. Like I can show you this. And then I was reading, I don't know, I think it's Timothy, but it's where bishops can't have more than one wife. And in Mormonism, like DNC 132, that's the new and everlasting covenant is polygamy. All the bishops in the early church had more than one wife. Cause if you, the more righteous that you are, the more wives you get basically. And if a guy is not righteous, then when he dies, a righteous guy gets his wife very much part of the core doctrine. And so I was like, wait a minute, like these both, this is contradicting us. So maybe Paul is wrong. Maybe Paul just, this was his stupid opinion and he is wrong. And my friend was like, no, the Bible, it says every word is God breathed and God protects his word. If he can't protect the simple book, how is he going to be responsible for your salvation? The Bible's all or nothing. And I was like, okay, these both can't be true at the same time. And so I started looking more into the early Mormon doctrine. I was like, so against anti-Mormon limited literature, I wouldn't read real church history. I only looked on like fairmormon.com and like on the LDS website. And even from that, I was like, oh, this is awful. This is awful. This is racist. This is religious abuse. This is like what I tried to get out of when I was a teenager. And so that was really confusing because I have so many people that I've loved for like the past 12 years that I've been Mormon and I just don't, I don't want to lose them basically. And then I was like, where would I go? And so that was really hard. Just as I started reading the Bible and really started to understand how deep God's forgiveness is instead of just, oh, you have to work for your repentance. God covered it completely. All my sins are taken on him. And then I was like, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that. And so then for lack of a better word, gave my heart to Jesus and started, I don't know how to say, rearranging my life. So that was the center. Yeah. Is that, I don't know if that answered the question or not. Yeah, absolutely. Was there like a certain moment in there when it all, I I call it my come to Jesus moment (laughs) when it was like, holy smokes, I need you, God, I'm giving it all to you. Did you have a moment where everything changed or was it more, did it come over a slower period of time? I think there was a couple of moments. There is the moment when I realized that the Bible contradicted Mormonism was the one where I was like, oh, I can't, I need to not stay in this. And then the moment where I realized how enveloping God's love is for, that I was like, this is the only thing that matters. But before that, before I really knew God, when I was still in Alaska, I was still Mormon, but I was just really angry at God. And there was one night I was super drunk and crying. And I was like, I was not prepared for this. I was not prepared for this point in my life. I just, I'm in Alaska. I thought I was going to be in Seattle. I don't even have socks. Like I just can't, like, I can't do this. And there's all this stuff in the Bible about God providing me. And then when people are hungry, we're making ways in the desert. I'm like, I don't even have socks. What am I supposed to do? And then I was really sad. I was crying and I was again, still Mormon, but I just told God I hated him like 17 times. And I just, I remember having this like very distinct thought and this doesn't happen a lot, but it was very distinct. Like, remember who you're talking to. And I was like, I don't care. Like this God is not a God I want to serve. And then I had a friend call and I was just like, Hey dude, I'm not in a good spot. I just can't talk to you right now. I gotta go. And she was like, no, I need you to know. I've been thinking about you all day. And you just want my heart that I needed to pray for you. And I just want you to know that God is like aware of you. 
And then I don't know, I don't even remember the conversation, but a couple, I don't know, it's Alaska, so it takes a while. So like maybe two weeks later, she had sent me socks. And that was the thing that I was so like bad about that. I was like, I don't have socks. And so again, I got that very distinct thought that wasn't my thought. But a lot of people are like, oh, I heard from God. And sometimes I'm like, that's just your emotions. That's just what you wanted to hear. So I'm very skeptical about that. But in my head, I just had this thought. You get to like choose if you want to go to church. You get to choose if you want to drink coffee, but you don't get to choose whether or not God loves you. And then I just had this thought, I'm not going to know everything that happens. I'm not going to have all the answers, but I went, what I have will be enough. I'm going to have that day by day bread. And then a week later, it's when I went to Utah and got fired from Alaska and that door closed and then met the Christians. And so it was very much like a progression of things, but it was quick enough in succession that I was like, okay, I can connect the dots here. But I think it was a series of things. Because I don't know, I have trust issues. So I think that's part of it is that I need, I need like slow things to be like, okay, I can go in this direction. I can trust. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I could have done it all at once. Like Paul, where he's like, okay, boom, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so beautiful. I think for myself, even my story, I left the church when I was 18 and I spent 20 years looking for him, but not in in doing my own thing or whatnot. And when I look back at it, it's just so beautiful how he's there the whole time. All those Mm -hmm. moments when, when you're crying out to him and you're talking to him, he is listening. And it's so amazing how in behind all of that and behind all of the the issues and the problems and everything that life throws at you, he does still love you. And he is there. And I think it's so cool how hindsight's more like 2020 though, how you can see that he was there the whole time and how patient he is with us because he is, he's so patient with us (laughs) because we just keep messing up and he's still there for us on your journey. You said that you got to Utah and then you found some good Christians. What role did having that good Christian community or those people to talk to you, what role did that play in your kind of story of finding Jesus? So when I first became Christian, the only Christians I knew were those two guys from work. And I think that because everything had changed within my religion has gone, my marriage has gone, even my political stances had changed. And so it was just so much, I can't trust myself because I thought it was things. And now I think the opposite And so they, and they're very much computer, like very much like, I need to know everything about this thing. So they knew a lot about theology. So I think that helped me a lot of just being able to ask questions and then having that guidance. And then it wasn't until maybe four months later that I started going to a church. And then that was a huge turning point because by the time I got to Utah, everything was so different. And then it was the start of COVID and so many things. And so I was living in my car. I was suicidal. I was just not, not having it. So the four months I had been Christian, it was still good, but it was still a really hard spot. Four months later, I started going to a church and the preacher's wife just really took me under her wing and was, I don't even know how to say, she just extended so much love to me and it just so encouraging because my guy friends are great people, but they're just very staunch and this is how it is. I care about theology and not as much of the inspiring stuff, like emotional or whatever. And she was very much, no, God loves you and you can trust God and things are going to get better. And so within a couple months of going to that church and meeting her from being homeless and depressed and suicidal, I got a house, I got a different job. I'm in grad school now and just everything, every aspect of my life. Like I started going to the gym, even the things I did, like the way I felt and the way I thought just completely flipped around. I remember reading a couple of weeks ago, reading journal entries because um, 
going through like a therapy program and I was reading the first couple of weeks and like, oh, I don't relate to that at all. I don't even know what that's like right now because I was just like so broken and hopeless. I'm glad I came out of it, but I almost don't even recognize the girl that I was four months ago. I feel like a lot of that has just been having that Christian support system and fellowship and people that will carry you in your week and fall back on you and be there and rejoice with you. All those things that like, God loves you no matter what, but it's definitely better to not do it alone. Yeah. For sure. And with trust, God tells us over and over again, put our trust in him, not in anything else, not in man, not in anything, but our trust in him. And that carries us through. And and I think a big thing that a lot of times people, especially I feel like coming from the Mormon church where it was very much like you do all the right things and God is going to bless you. But Mm -hmm. over and over the, in the Bible, it doesn't say that it says that he will be the peace within the storm and that there will be hard times and things will get rocky and it will be tough. But if we trust him to give us that peace, it will work out in his timing with his will. And trusting that is, is hard when you come from something and you realize it was all a lie. And now you're supposed to go out there and you're supposed to trust again. It's hard. That part Mm -hmm. is really hard. But I I do think though, just knowing that he's there for us and having that ability to lean back on him is just so, so important and so awesome. And I do think having good Christian women is different (laughs) than even having a good Christian man who's going to give you all the theology, but a good you know, someone who can really help you through it. It's just, it means so much. So how is Jesus working in your life today? How is, how's your walk going? How's your journey going? I think a lot of it is the trust thing. Cause that was so hard for me. It was so hard for me because I want what I want. And I'm very, I don't know, selfish. And so it's like constantly hard for me to be like, okay, if this doesn't work out, God still has a plan. Like God's still in control. And just what he wants is in the grand scheme of things better than what I could design and what I could come up with. And then just falling back on all the times that he has been there for me. And I haven't, I don't know, like I, about the four month mark of being Christian, like it's when I stopped like having panic attacks. They were so overwhelming my life. And then it was just this realization of, oh, I can trust God a little bit more than that. It's going to be okay because I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to make space for the devil in my life, like to be consumed with fear. I'm just going to trust God. And so that's been good. And there's been a lot of things that I can look back on in my life. And be like, okay, God helped me through this. And so even if it doesn't turn out the way I wanted to, even if it, like you said, it does hurt and it is hard, I'm still going to know that God's going to be there with me in the storm and that God's going to eventually make a way. And eventually we're just going to get raptured and it's not going to matter anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So I think that has been his work in my heart recently is just being able to turn my life over to him and lay down what I want and just try to seek after him more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you were, had the opportunity to go back and, and talk to that girl months and months or however long ago, who was just coming to Jesus, just at that moment where they were, you were just thinking about it, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Mm, I think, I don't know how to say this, but I remember when I first yeah, started going to church and stuff, I remember reading it's the verse in Psalm, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I remember thinking, this is a trap. He's just probably going to change the desires of your heart. And I don't want that at all. And I, <laughs> and now that I have gone through Christianity a little bit more, I could like go back and be like, Hey, like, it's not so bad. Like, it's not so bad to let go of some things, embrace some other things. Don't make it so painful to let go because it's, it's all right on the other side. Yeah. And that letting go, I think that was the biggest moment for me is when I realized that I had to let it all go 
in order to get it all. That was so hard to do for me though, too, because I think I'd always been in that mindset of it's all up to me. But then when you realize Mm -hmm. it's not up to me, it's up to God and how beautiful that is when you let that go. But, oh, I love that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on and um, yeah. And just being able to to tell your story. And like I said, you never know what people need to hear. And I really do pray that this touches somebody's heart today and that it helps them to, to trust God because it's beautiful when you do. If this story really touched your heart today, then share it with a friend, send it to somebody so that it can hopefully bring their hearts to a place of peace today too. I am so honored that you showed up today to listen to this little podcast talking about big things. If you want to comment, share, laugh, or cry about what we talked about today, then you need to join the Facebook group where you can have a safe space to do all the sharing because we kind of need people in this big old world that understand. And if you are like, heck yeah, that was awesome. Where can I get more? First hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and then hurry on over to findingfaithabove.com where you will find so much goodness all created just for you because I really do love you guys. I've been where you are at and I want to help you have all the hope and none of the lost. Resources, art, Bible studies, it's all there just for you findingfaithabove.com. Wishing you all the best in love in Jesus' name. See you next time.